Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh did you want to? Sorry. sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. I'm in love with you. Snap out of it. I'll have what she's having. Too many guys think of a concept or I complete them or I'm going to make them alive. I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. Caustic wit is my religion. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we talk about so much garbage all the time. We talk about good stuff, too. But as long as men continue to be trash, we will continue talking about them. I am Karen Peterson, joined as always by my amazing co-host, Lauren Humphreys-Brooks. Hello. Hello. Wow. It has been a while. Actually. It, has. it feels like it's been a while, although it's actually really only been like a week. So <laughs> Yeah. So we took last week off because I was moving. Well, I'm still moving, but uh, things have been kind of weird. Last Friday, a week ago, I got the second COVID vaccine. So Yay. Saturday, when I was supposed to be like moving all my stuff, I was basically dead to the world mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like i'll do it monday it's fine i told you i was like mm, no no that's a good idea and then you're yeah. like no no i'll be fine whatever narrator voice but she was not fine <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though so i got mine on tuesday and like i other than being really tired the next day and i had a little bit of a headache for part of the day but that went away Mm-hmm. other than that i was fine i was i was honestly a little bit like i was prepared to be really sick what is happening <laughs> yeah well and and that's the thing is like i wasn't really sick i never got a fever i felt like i had a fever at one point but i was totally not feverish at all um but i was just so wiped out and then i had the mm-hmm. achy joints and uh-huh. i had like a i didn't get a headache but i had like a bit of pressure in my head so it made my teeth hurt too so it was just like oh this sucks and you can't yeah. take anything for it except for tylenol which doesn't do anything so i just had to sleep through it but i woke up the mm. next day and i was like i feel great and then my voice went away it was really weird i had laryngitis for like six hours <laughs> My voice was gone. There was that's nothing. odd. Yeah, it was so weird, and yeah, but then it came back. So, that's yeah. so but it also just feels like it's been a while because we haven't really talked much this week either. Normally, we talk all week long, and true, true. <laughs> we've both just been so busy. So true. Yeah, you've been moving. I got the shot, like all of that stuff, <laughs> and then I also have a lot of I've. I've had a lot of work, unfortunately. Fortunately, unfortunately, I am <laughs> pleased in a time of pandemic that I continue to have work. On the yeah. other hand, I'm a little bit like, please just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I just need a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, actually, the day after the COVID shot, I, I did take the day off and everything. And I, I wound up just lying in bed watching Columbo for like, four hours it was great that is a reasonable reaction it was great i'd forgotten how much i love colombo and also the fact that there are these like huge stars from the period oh, who yeah. just pop up and you're like oh my god myrna <laughs> loy vincent price ray milan what are you doing here it's great yep i remember the summer after i graduated from high school i'm like 17 i was a nanny but the kids just kind of 
I don't know, they were little, but they kind of displayed to themselves. So I, they didn't require a lot of entertaining. So I watched a lot of TV and it was like Columbo, Matlock, Murder, She Wrote. Because for a while there, there were several stations that for a while, that's what they, that they would just show Columbo or Murder, She Wrote all day long. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's definitely where I first watched Columbo. Like I would go to my grandmother's house and, mm-hmm. and I would sit there and watch Columbo for four hours. And it was just like, yeah. and I don't remember most of the shows, <laughs> but uh, every, I remember, I really remember the one with Donald Pleasance. Cause I remember being like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> that my, it gone. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say my grandma would talk about um, Peter Fogg. Like, like she knew him. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> like they were friends or something. <laughs> something about grandmothers i don't know yeah, yeah so everybody watch colombo it's a great show if you haven't it seen is. it like, all of these famous people john cassavetes is in one of the, the shows vincent prices mm-hmm. donald pleasance and that show just like completely goes off the rails i don't even know what's going on in that episode <laughs> you know another show that always had uh well not always but frequently had just like really fun guest stars was uh, magnum pi not the yeah. one that's on now, but the one in the 80s with Tom Selleck. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I, I used to be very into Remington Steel. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember. So I remember going to in 92 when Aladdin came out. Um, we were at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. It was this youth group that I was with. It was all girls. And our moms were the chaperones. And... Uh, so the movie finished and the way that El Capitan is for people who don't know, it's this huge theater. It's two stories. Um, and it, they, it's just one screen. So it's not a multiplex or anything. And so people are leaving one screening while the next group is like coming in. And um, we're going through the lobby and all of a sudden all the moms just stopped and they were like, Oh my God it's remington steel and pierce brosnan was buying popcorn <laughs> at the counter <laughs> back when he was just remington steel yep this is before <laughs> mrs doubtfire <laughs> wow so yeah those were the days anyway so uh yeah some stuff we've got some stuff Things have happened because, like I said before, men just keep being trash. So we're just going to keep talking about it. Um, in this case, we mean men on the internet. Although most of them are, right? Anyway, so there's more <laughs> stuff. Like, Zack Snyder just won't quit. His fans. Do we call them fans or do we? I don't know. Is there like a different word? Like the horde? The mob? The <laughs> Snyder bros. And I do think that there is a distinction between between people that are Snyder bros and people that are just like fans of the DCU. Yes, definitely. Etc. Like I that one of the things that drives me crazy about this is that I like a lot of the DC films. I actually prefer a number of the DC films to Marvel. I prefer like Wonder Woman or Birds of Prey or Aquaman. I do not like anything made by Zack Snyder, as I have mentioned before. <laughs> right. But it's, I'm just like, no, I mean, probably if you were to say, well, do you prefer DC or Marvel? I'd be like, well, I think I prefer DC, at least in, in the films that they've made so far, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but God, the Snyder Bros are fucking insufferable and they have cost us so much, so much. I'm so mad. Yeah. And anyway, so the latest thing that happened this week was two projects that are in development at 
uh, Warner Brothers for DCEU uh, were canceled. And um, of course, neither of them are Zack Snyder movies. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're actually Ava DuVernay's New Gods and James Wan's The Trench. James Wan is the one who did all the Conjuring movies and he did the first Aquaman. Um, and uh yeah so those are canceled and of course people have a lot of thoughts about it um lauren you wanted to talk about this one (laughs) (laughs) well one of the things that came up um and again and you always are kind of like okay this is what's being reported versus i'm certain that things are a little bit more complicated but behind the scenes but one of the reasons that has been cited for the for why new gods specifically the ava duvernay film was uh was canceled is because that film and the stuff that snyder did in the snyder cut have a lot of overlap in terms of characters and plots etc and so warner brothers decided supposedly that oh we don't want to you know we don't want to release a film so close to having done um the snyder cut of justice league which makes me so goddamn mad because Mm -hmm. here you had so one of the things that DC has actually been doing pretty well has been, you know, hiring a diverse group of directors to yeah. make these films and writers. So you've got James Wan, who is uh, originally Malaysian. You have Ava DuVernay, who's a black woman. You have Kathy Yan. And that's like, that's actually really good. It's really nice to see that, that there's like a lot of different voices that are telling these stories. And to have this film that was going to be made by a black woman, by an incredibly talented director, period, scuttled because the Snyder bros whined so fucking loud. And Snyder's like, well, I get to spend $70 million to make a movie. Like, to make a movie that has already been made. Like, right. <laughs> that, that's, it just drives me crazy. It makes me so angry. And, it, and the other thing that made me very mad was that uh, a number of the the Snyder fans on Twitter et cetera, began doing this whole, well, that's kind of sad, but you know, I mean, we, what we really want is to restore the Snyderverse. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, you motherfuckers whined and whined and whined, and you got what you want. You got exactly what you wanted, but that is not enough for you. It's not enough for you to be given exactly what you wanted. No, now you have to keep on whining because you do not understand a universe in which whining doesn't get you shit, right? So you can't even be happy with the things that you get, which is pretty much everything. You fucking losers, you're losers. I just, yeah. This is why you do not negotiate with terrorists or toddlers because you give them just a little bit and then they're like, well, that worked. Now I know what I need to do and I will just keep doing it. I will keep ratcheting it up because eventually you're going to give in. WB is an overworked parent that has just not had any boundaries and they've let the child, the toddlers just rule. That's what's happened. These bros are just acting like a bunch of three-year-olds and they know that it'll work because it did it already did yeah and well, the way that so- they talk and and they're talking about like conspiracy they're talking about more conspiracy theories about why because wb has basically said well we're not going ahead with this this whole concept of whatever the snyder i don't even know what the snyderverse is but with whatever with whatever else snyder had planned that that it was like a trilogy of justice league movies and me. i think something <laughs> else too yeah uh 
but so and wb has at least now said that's not we're, we're not going in that direction and <laughs> so immediately yeah i mean it's a big question about whether or not that'll change obviously but immediately you get these fans like pitching little fits and coming up with the most random ass conspiracy theories that just make me go like you cannot have a conspiracy where you get everything that you want that is not how conspiracies work like no one is like uniting against Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder keeps on making exactly what he wants to make, despite the fact that people hate a lot of his work. <laughs> Zack Snyder walked away from his movie. He chose to leave. Circumstances were terrible and I feel bad for him and his family for what they had to go through. And I don't want that to get lost in this, but he chose to step away because of it. He was not fired. And I'm so tired of them acting like this movie was taken away from him because that is not what happened. Yeah, I mean, basically what we've got is a bunch of of men, primarily, Mm -hmm. um, who are so used to being given exactly what they want that whenever they don't get exactly what they want, when they want it, too, it's it's got to be immediately. Like, it's got to be instant gratification. Um, Then they decide that, well, that means that the world is against me. Like mm-hmm. they, they don't understand what the concept of, of systemic discrimination is or what systemic oppression is. And so they have to invent things to be impressed, to be oppressed about. Yes. Yeah. Because <sighs> the world is not against them and it never has been at any point in history. And so they, mm-hmm. they cannot understand it because they've never experienced it in any degree. So. Oh my God. Yeah. So I just wanted to yell about that and I will and, repeat it. And- Snyder bros are losers. They're they fucking are. losers. And they are. They're and what really sports. sucks is you just know that WB and Zack Snyder are going to work out some deal where it's going to be like, well, we'll let you do these movies. They're going to be HBO Max movies. Like, he's going to get to do his thing. He's going to. They're going to give in because that's what they keep doing. So. Meanwhile, all suck. I want is a Birds of Prey sequel. Right. I want a Birds of Prey sequel. I want Wonder Woman 3. And yeah. Um, but this all ties into a question that Eduardo actually sent us like a week or two ago. And um, yep, it was the 24th is when you sent this, Eduardo. And he says, what do you think of Emerald Fennel or Fennel? I don't know how to say it right. Um being hired to write and write a Zatanna movie for WB. I'm happy for her and I think she should do it. Yet I also think there is some merit to the argument that apparently studios are only willing to give superhero movies to female directors rather than investing in their own ideas. A counter argument to that would be that studios are hesitant to invest in anything that is not a superhero movie or a tried and tested product. Anyway, love to hear your thoughts on this subject. Ciao. So, uh, yeah, Zatanna. Zatanna, Zatanna um, is one of the one of the films, the projects that Warner has supposedly greenlit, but we don't know really any details about it. But Emerald Fennel, Fennel um, is supposed to be writing it. We'll see if it ends up happening, first of all, because they like to announce lots of projects way in advance and then not do it this is the thing is like this ava duvernay and james wan stuff like that's not new wb does this a lot and um it's it's weird and it's frustrating but i do think 
just to to go into what Eduardo's asking. So basically, uh, are studios only willing to give women opportunities when it's already established properties, when it's like a big superhero movie, rather than investing in in their movies, in their projects? Um, I I would say. His, well, basically going look at, at his counter argument that they're really hesitant to invest in anything that's not a big franchise. I think that's probably more of it, I, especially in the case of Warner Brothers. I think that there are some studios that are much more willing now to um, to start a branch out a little bit. But um, yeah, especially in the case of Warner Brothers, they don't they're not taking a lot of risks right now. And when they do they're definitely not giving those opportunities to women. They're not giving them to anybody whose name is not like Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, I think I, I agree with you. I mean, there's always, this is all, this is a two edged sword. I mean, uh, and I think the superhero glut is very much a two edged sword. Cause on the one hand, you're like, yeah, you want diversity. You want a lot of different people telling these stories. Um, and it's always good. I think to also remember that, that these are women making money. Right. So, you know, Emerald Fennell can make her money off of um, off of a Warner Brothers film and then turn around and do something like Promising Young Woman again or do something that she is actually really passionate about. That's something that um, it seems like that's something like that, uh, like Taika, uh, Taika Watiti has done really well with of, OK, he's making his money from doing things like um, the Thor films. And then he's turning around and he's doing something that he's really passionate about, like Jojo Rabbit. And so there's no reason to suppose that uh, that Fennell or anyone else who is involved in all this, Kathy Yan, um, Ava DuVernay, <laughs> uh, would would not be able to also do this. I I think that like Chloe Zhao has been tapped for a superhero film or a franchise film or something like that. Yeah, she's doing. That. She directed the Eternals, which is coming out in the fall. I think uh-huh. now it's the next Marvel movie after Black Widow. So, and I don't think that then Kathy Zhao is suddenly just going to be like, all right, this is all I'm going to do for the rest of my career. I, I can't imagine her, not just in terms of the, the art that she has made previously. I can't imagine that that would be the direction she would go. But so there's a, it's good to see these diverse voices actually getting opportunities within tentpole films. Um, on the other hand, yeah, I mean, as, as we've noted, they're, they're male directors, particularly white male directors, who still have careers despite producing flop after flop. Um, and that's something that women don't get. The other, the other issue is always, I think, that um, women in particular, and particularly women of color, get are have a much harder time with fans, have a much harder time with um, uh, with public reaction because there is this sense in which they're wor- they're working against the uh, white male fan base that is the fan base for Marvel and for DC. The, the, the main focus is still teenage boys and men. Yeah. Uh, and so they have, they have more of a struggle and there's, there's, I mean, we, we look at the reaction to Birds of Prey, which is a great film and I love it, but look at the way that so many men treated it, including men even that liked it or that enjoyed it or whatever else. There's, there's still that, that, um, 
that refrain that runs throughout everything is just like, well, but I have problems with it. And usually, and then you begin to listen to what those problems actually are. And you're just like, yeah, you have a problem with the fact that this is female centric. That's, that's the problem that you have with it. And you particularly have a problem that it's being directed and written by women. Yep. Yep. Oh, I'm so sorry. This movie wasn't made for you. It was made for everybody. <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> This didn't do to the one character to one character exactly what I wanted it to do. Therefore, it is invalid. Like I still can't imagine, and I know we've talked about this a lot too, but I still can't imagine how any guy, any heterosexual man, can look at that movie and say these women are not hot. Like, holy crap! <laughs> what is wrong with it's men? because it's because they're so used to seeing women being objectified in these films they're yeah. so used to seeing these women as nothing but sex objects and it really really makes them mad when they look at margot robbie and go like oh she would not be immediately sexually available to me because <laughs> by the way guys she wouldn't like she just wouldn't yeah. margot robbie's not gonna fuck you like that's not gonna nope. happen never um that's not a fantasy you know you can indulge in that fantasy but that is not something that will ever ever happen um but but that i think that there's this demand that they always be performing that just like well i could sleep with her Mm -hmm. and that and at some level that that's always what they're looking for and whenever you get a film like birds of prey where you're just like not only will margot robbie not fuck you harley quinn definitely will not fuck you (laughs) like no way in hell. In fact, she would probably <laughs> think that you're lower than dirt. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and I think that that's the attitude that that comes up a lot is that they're mad that these women are not being objectified for their pleasure. It's true. Yeah. Just to go back to Eduardo's question, though, it's uh, I I think that we're in this interesting um, this interesting time of a little bit of flux where studios are finally waking up and they're starting to give these opportunities to women uh, to direct and it's good, but they're also still hesitant. So if anything goes remotely askew, they're taking the wrong lessons from that and not, um, not, not pursuing those opportunities. So they're less, they're still less likely even if even if a, a first film does really well, they're still much less likely to greenlight a sequel. And if they are going to greenlight that sequel, they're probably not going to go with the same director. Patty Jenkins is an exception. She is not the rule. Getting to do Wonder Woman 2 was honestly, I'm still surprised that she got to do it. And that she negotiated such a significantly higher salary that was still way lower than what men make, you know? Um, and... And so it's, it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, yeah, this is great that the, like, even if the motivation is just to make themselves look good, they're giving opportunities to women. You know, we're going to have, there's a couple of women that are going to be directing upcoming Marvel films, you know, besides Chloe Zhao, there's, um, uh, I can't think right now, but there's a couple, um, uh, I can't think of who directed Black Widow, for example. But anyway, so the next two Marvel movies are both directed by women. And who knows what will happen beyond that? Will those women continue to get opportunities? Maybe, maybe not. But what is going to happen is that those movies will make money, even if there are boys that are complaining about them. Those movies will make money. And those women, those directors, will get their name out there in a bigger way. And so even if they never did another big studio film, 
their independent career will hopefully should be a l- just that much bigger and better because people will have more recognition. So they'll, they'll, they'll see, Oh, there's a new film by, by Chloe Zhao. That's definitely not going to be Marvel. It's not going to be the Eternals, but they'll want to see it. Of course, it won't hurt that she'll also be an Academy award winning director. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a uh, Kate Shortland. Directed. Kate Shortland. Thank you for looking that Direct- up. Yes. Yeah. I just, mm-hmm. I just, uh, Google that. Yeah. Well, um, you know, in talking about all of this, one of the things that I'm reminded of is a recent interview with Penelope Spheris, who I, I talked about on um, one of our recent top fives and uh, who like directed Wayne's World. She directed The Decline of Western Civilization, et cetera. And, you know, she talked about the difference between the way that male directors and female directors are treated. And this is true in terms of the money that they get as well, because, you know, like you say, we talk about directors winding up in director jail all the time and women make one bad movie and they're not hired again for mm-hmm. decades sometimes. You know, can we talk about Elaine May? Right. Um, but one of the things that she said uh, to the question in Variety, as a woman, is it harder to get the next directing job? And what she said was, I won't read the whole entire quote, but um, what she said was when you have a male director on the set and he's a screamer and obnoxious and hard to get along with, we call that a genius. And if you have a woman who's a screamer and hard to get along with, they call that the wrong time of the month. And that's, I think that that's a really great distillation of the difference and the difference to the way that female directors are treated. and how they're viewed as being liabilities in a lot of ways, even though you you know you can have women and men behaving exactly the same way. The man is a genius. The woman is on her period, mm-hmm. right? And you can't depend upon women that are on their period, as we know they're too emotional. Like, and and this this sexism continues to permeate the industry. Continues to permeate everything, really. Um, but I I think that it's very important to recognize that. And so as, as you're saying, these women are getting these opportunities, but it can also come with a lot of danger for their careers and for what they eventually get to do. That being said, I I do think that a lot of them are going to continue to come out with some really interesting stuff. And I do hope that even like you say, if they, um, their films are going to make money one way or another. Mm -hmm. Uh, And hopefully that means that they can take that money and they can go off and do their own productions, whatever they want to do. Yeah. I think a lot of times about uh, a couple years ago when I got to interview Mimi Leader and she was really candid in that interview with me about finding herself in director's jail because it's like she did um, Deep Impact, which became the highest grossing film directed by a woman and um, in in the 90s. And it came out right at the same time that Armageddon came out, which of course just blew everything out of the water. Um because it had all the star power and stuff, even though Deep Impact is a significantly better film. And so she did that. And then she went from that to, um, then she did The Peacemaker, which was, uh, I think that movie is a lot of fun with George Clooney and Nicole Kidman. It kind of got over. I remember that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it did well at the movie. time, it but fun. it's very forgotten. Um, and then boom, she does Pay It Forward with Haley Joel Osment and Kevin Spacey and helen hunt and that movie flopped and 
that was it. That was it for her movies. That was the last movie she did until On the Basis of Sex. But she was able to transition into television and she's been wildly successful on TV. Mm-hmm. So it's been frustrating for her that she hasn't been able to get a movie made, but she's also still been able to have a career and she has really flourished with shows like The Leftovers and and um, and some other just great stuff that she's done so it's like there are other avenues but it's it's very frustrating like you said you know to watch men fail with movie after movie and still keep getting opportunities just because they're the right the right color (laughs) they're the right gender and they know the right people so yeah and they're they're given up they're given opportunities they're they're just like well you know you fucked up once okay whatever give it another shot Mm-hmm. Um, and they might produce something great and they might not. I mean, look at someone like Colin Trevorrow, who at this point, I think maybe might be in director's jail. I can't tell. It seems but like he, he is. I forgot got, all about him. <laughs> he got so many opportunities. Like he fucked up multiple times before mm-hmm. he was fine, before it seems everyone was like, okay, maybe not. Like maybe we're just trying to make something happen that isn't going to. <laughs> but like, why exactly? It's not like he's a he was ever a particularly brilliant director. Well, he's done the Jurassic movies and he does have that third one coming out so yeah i know i just looked him up because i was like well what else is he doing and then apparently he has something in production or in pre-production called war magician oh that sounds like a winner yeah (laughs) that sounds fun with benedict cumberbatch and then another film that's just called atlantis so there you go see okay so colin trevorrow is a great example who just keeps on fucking up and somehow keeps on getting movies yep you know i would really like them to do a live action movie based on the disney film atlantis that's one that i think would be a fun uh live action adaptation just i've never seen it you never saw atlantis i never saw atlantis it's weird but i really like it I really it's so different from so many of the other animated Disney movies and yeah it's a lot of fun and I think it would be very cool as a as a live action movie as long as it wasn't directed by like James Cameron because he kind of did something similar with Avatar (laughs) not story-wise but just like with the color and everything Uh yeah anyway um well just to go into a little bit of what we were just talking about um i kind of mentioned this already but we got a question from shakita who asked do you think chloe zhao has a real chance of winning yes yes shakita i do she's gonna win best director this year and it's gonna be glorious um and do you think multiple quote she only won because she's asian think pieces will follow especially with everything going on in the world right now okay so Mm. i love this question and i'm glad you asked it and i think that there will be some of that but i think that there's going to be a lot less of that than we're maybe braced for i think that there there's um there was a a bit of a twitter kerfuffle that happened um a week or two ago where a certain person that I do not mention by name, I do not speak his name, um, but he posted like a conversation between himself and a friendo. So if you know, you know, but um, <laughs> a lot of speculation on who that friend is. But anyway, this is what they were talking about was like, oh, well, great. Now Nomadland's just going to win because, you know, it's by an Asian director and there's all this 
anti-Asian hate happening right now. Here's the thing. Nomadland was doing very, very well before this recent just like amplification of violence against Asian people. So there will probably be a think piece or two out there about that. But no, I don't think it's going to be a huge backlash or a lot of excuses because Nomadland, as soon as it started showing like showing to people at um at toronto at the fall festivals and then just as like different groups have started seeing it everyone loves this film it's been wildly embraced and we're coming off of a year where the last best picture was parasite so i think that i don't I mean, obviously, we're we know that that's not why it's going to win, but I also think that most people understand that that's not why it's going to win, and that's not why Chloe's going to win. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I I do think that there's going to be a subsection of people, both critics and viewers, who are not going to say it out loud, but are going to kind of say it from kind of around the corner. <laughs> um, that you know, I. I always worry, and I've, I've actually been worried in terms of just the pandemic generally, because there are so many films that didn't come out uh, in 2020 because of the pandemic, that there's always going to be attached this little asterisk to all of the films that do win and the people that win. That, well, if this film had come out, they wouldn't have won. If this film had come out, she wouldn't have won. Um, if this hadn't happened, she wouldn't have won. And I, I fear that there's I think that there is going to be a little bit of that and but I don't think it's going to be ex as explicit as think pieces I think it's going to be more um uh pieces that are kind of are sort of saying that without ever actually coming out to say it because <laughs> yeah. they don't want to be accused of being racist or sexist yeah I I'm a little less optimistic than you I guess <laughs> well I think part of it too is that I'm also I so I don't like the year in advance predictions. I think they're silly. Um, but I have to give huge shout out to my former boss, Clayton Davis, film awards editor at Variety, who for his very first round of, of year in advance predictions last year, before the pandemic ever happened, he said Nomadland was going to win Best Picture and Chloe Zhao was going to win Best Director. And I told him, that's so sweet that you think so, but they're never they're not ready to let another woman win. <laughs> and especially not with a movie about a woman. And he was just like, nope, I think it's going to happen. And that was a year ago. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that the, I think that she absolutely deserves it. I think she would deserve mm -hmm. it regardless of when this mm -hmm. film came out and everything. But I, I yeah, I do feel like there, there are definitely going to be a cadre of people that, um, that don't embrace that and that yeah. are going to show that they don't embrace it in increasingly bizarre ways without ever actually saying, um, this is this she only won because she's a woman and because uh, she's of Asian descent. Right, because they can't say that, right? Mm. They can't they can't be so overt about about their racism and sexism. So yeah. But I but what I'm saying is I think that yes, absolutely, she can win and I think she will. Uh, at this point, it would be honestly, it would be shocking if she didn't. Now I'm I I say that with the understanding that nothing is a lock and she 
if she just dropped off the campaign trail completely right now and disappeared, she, she there would be a danger. It's not like if if it were locked, then she could just do nothing else and it, and it would still happen. I don't think that's the case. Um, something could still change, but at this point, like no one else, no other individual person has won as many awards leading up to the Oscars as she has. And I, I think that, I think that I'm trying to figure out how to say this right. Um, just based on what we were just talking about, but like, I think the Academy is like, they know (laughs) that they need another woman to win. (laughs) So I think that helps. But it it makes it easier for them to vote for her because she also fucking deserves it. And so they're going to vote for her. It's a great movie. It's a great win. She's going to be an awesome. uh, I just cannot wait for her acceptance speech. It's going to be incredible. And yeah, there you go. So she's going to win. You heard it here. (laughs) And a year ago from Clayton Davis. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we got some. Uh, we got another fun question. This is from Nicole. If Lady Bird came out this year, do you think we would have three women nominated in the director category? Who, if anyone, would Gerwig replace in this year's lineup? I think if it came out this year, it would not be nominated. I think that, that's that's an interesting perspective. I don't know. I think that it's always weird to... I have difficulty speculating on this kind of thing because I go like, well, how would this compare with the other films that are being nominated? But I don't know if you could really compare it in the same way. Um, it would, I, Lady Bird coming out in a time of pandemic, I think is a sort of an interesting- Right, yeah. A, a very, like, cause it came out at a very different time, definitely. Um, you know, I, we've talked about this before and this has been true, honestly, for the past couple of years you could nominate nothing but women in the director's category. Uh, and and every single one of them would deserve to be there. I would hope that, you know, Gehrig would replace someone like David Fincher who does not deserve a nomination for Mank. <laughs> um, but knowing the Academy as we do and knowing how much Hollywood loves to look at itself, uh, you know, probably not. Um, yeah, I think that it's really difficult to make that sort of that sort of generalization and say like, oh, she, yeah, so it would definitely get nominated. She would get nominated or, or they wouldn't. Yeah, that's the thing is like um, the films that get nominated, it's sort of this this sort of not always the case, but especially in recent years, it's sort of like, what are the films that are the zeitgeist of right now? Like, what are the films that really... Um, sort of captured not just where we're at but where we see ourselves where we want to be um what we're thinking and talking about and so looking at this year's lineup of best pictures for example it's like sure you have mink in there but that's i think got the nostalgia aspect to it and it's the old hollywood hollywood does love itself very very much hollywood is its own biggest fan and um but then you've got films like The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is specifically about people being put on trial for uh, riots that are politically motivated. Um, 
And then you've got Judas and the Black Messiah. You've got Nomadland. You've got Promising Young Woman. You've got a collection of films, The Father or something else completely, which is also great. And I love it. Have you seen that yet? I haven't seen that yet. Um, I actually, I saw the play that it's based on. Oh, wow. I I have not seen that. I saw that on on uh, on Broadway with Frank Langella. Oh, I'm so father. jealous of you. That's father, so yeah. cool. So I haven't. So if the film is anything like the play, I've seen the father, but I haven't seen the film yet. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it's like other than that one, which is this, a bit of an outlier, sort of. Um, I think the rest of the films in the Best Picture lineup, a lot of them are really about like taking bold action. Um, and Lady Bird is not that. It's a very sweet coming of age movie. It's very funny. Uh, it's a very sweet fa- uh, mother and daughter story, that kind of thing. There's a lot of stuff about it, but um, I just don't think that it would have the traction this year because it just it doesn't capture the mood of where we're at right now. That's why I think that it probably mm-hmm. wouldn't get nominated. That yeah. being said, no, I definitely, if we just fairly got two women in a lineup, there's no way we would have had three. Sorry. It just wouldn't have happened. And yeah. So if, if Gerwig were to get in anyway, and if she were to be nominated, it would be at the expense of either Chloe Zhao or Emerald Fennel. Yeah, I think that you're probably right. I mean, uh, Regina King isn't even in that mix. Exactly. And, and she, she very should much be. should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, just, I just, I so when we were preparing for today, I, I, I was like, oh, what women have, prior to this year, what women have been nominated for, um, for uh, directing Oscars? And then I searched them and I knew this already, but just seeing it written out made me so mad. The fact that what five women uh, before now have been nominated over the 93 years mm-hmm. of the Academy Awards. And that just makes me so goddamn angry. Oh, yeah. Like, I, oh, yeah. I looked at that and I was like, oh, I am filled with rage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, it makes me it's it's it makes my blood boil. And I shared with you. So a couple years ago, because I was working on a story, not just about. Uh, female directors like getting nominated for best director but movies directed by women getting nominated for oscars at all and it was just mind-blowing the stuff that i was finding so like the oscars the first academy awards were held in 1928 it honored films that were released in 1927 and part of 28 because then the next year was 28 and 29 so they used to have overlap years like we're gonna have this year and um anyway so the third academy awards was when the first um the first film directed by a woman was nominated and that was sarah and son which was nominated for lead actress for ruth chatterton and that's directed by dorothy arzner the next time then there were a couple of short films uh, there was one in 1933. The next time a female-directed film was nominated for an Oscar in any category was 1950. And that was also a short film. It would be 1955 before a female-directed feature film would be nominated for anything. And that was a documentary. Nancy Hamilton, Helen Keller and her story. Yeah, it's 
knowing the kinds of films that women have made, um, both in the United States and outside the United States, and the, and not just that the the films that women have written and produced and you know been involved in in major ways, just that that thought like it just they say it fills me with rage mm -hmm. uh, because women have female directors generally, but women generally have been put into this separate lesser category as though, you know, any art that women produce is not, is okay for a girl. Right. You know, and you watch some of these films, you're like, no, this is great art, period. Like, you know, let's just, I mean, ignore what gender we're talking about. Let's just look at what they're producing. But of course, you know, it doesn't fit into kind of the paradigm that Hollywood wants to promote. It doesn't fit into the paradigm that patriarchy wants to promote. Um, women are lesser and that's the way that they have been treated. And that's the way that they continue to be treated. Like, like we say, they're, the fact that we can sit there and be like, well, probably if Greta Gerwig got nominated, she would replace one of the other female directors this year. It's like, yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. That's stupid. Cause you would never say that about male directors, particularly white men. You would never be like, oh yeah, white, the, this dude, there's already two white guys in that lineup. We can't possibly have a third. No, some years that's all we get. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, 1976 was when Seven Beauties came out. First film, first woman nominated for a director, Lena Vertmuller. Uh, and that was a foreign language film, actually. It was an Italian film. Have you seen Seven Beauties? I haven't. It's been on my list for a while, but I just haven't got, I haven't seen most Lena Wormuller films, to be yeah, honest. Her films are notoriously difficult to find. They hardly <laughs> ever are streaming. It's very frustrating. Seven Beauties is, is um, it's a good one. And uh, so that was nominated for four Oscars. She got nominated for director. It was nominated for lead actor, for writing, and for foreign language film. Did not win, but that was like, okay, they finally did it. <laughs> We're ready. And then you know, then Barbara Streisand starts directing movies and Yentl is like a huge success in the 80s, gets her nominated for a Golden Globe, um, doesn't get nominated for Oscars. Um, I mean, it's got a couple of Oscar nominations, but not for director. Uh, so the first film directed by a woman that was nominated for Best Picture. Any guesses what it is? Do you remember? Children of a Lesser God. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. In 1986, <laughs> 10 years after the first woman is nominated for Best Director, we finally get a film nominated for Best Picture that is directed by a woman. And guess what? Randa Haynes, not nominated for Best Director. <laughs> uh, it just makes you want to kill someone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. In the meantime, Barbara Streisand had directed. Then you've got Penny Marshall directing. And so it's like then two years later, she directs Big, which gets nominated for actor, gets nominated for screenplay. She didn't write it, so she wasn't nominated for that. Does not get nominated for director, doesn't get nominated for picture, any of that. But then in 91, was it 91? What year was it? Yeah. Um, okay, so 91, The Prince of Tides, Barbara Streisand, nominated for, listen to this, Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Actor, Art Direction, Cinematography, Original Score, Adapted Screenplay. No director. 
it makes me so mad. Well, obviously it directed itself. I mean, yes, yes, you know, of course, that's, clearly. That's like, but the, isn't that kind of the implication of some of these of some of these nominations that that obviously this film, which is so worthy of so many accolades, was definitely not directed by anybody. Like that the director <laughs> is somehow secondary. And I, I think that some of this is that women, female directors have been pushed into particular categories, which are then which again are treated as secondary. So you're talking about something like big comedy, right? Romance, musicals, um, all of these kinds of films are generally treated as being lesser types of films. They're not the important ones, mm -hmm. right? And so because of that, it's like, well, really it's good, but anyone could have directed it, right? right. It, does, it doesn't have the, these, this visual style that we're supposed to associate with great directing. Um, and, and so much of the films that we're talking about is exactly that. I mean, when you get to Catherine Bigelow, who becomes what the first female director to win best director. Mm -hmm. um, and still she, so far only. And she won it for a very, you know, and I think that it's a great film and she is a great director, but she won it for a film that was very much a male film in the sense that this is a story about men, it's about war, it's about trauma, it's about PTSD, it's about all of those things. So that's much more acceptable for her to get, or to, to be like, well, it's really difficult for a woman to tell a male story, um, such a masculine story. Of course, she must be a great director. And, and that's not to like, to denigrate her abilities at all, but that's very much the way that we think publicly. That's very much the way that the Academy thinks. Obviously that's very much the way that women's art has been treated. If it's about the wrong thing, um, then, well, it's not really great art. It's just, you know, it's, it's okay for a girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, so yeah, so Barbara Streisand gets overlooked. Penny Marshall, the year before, directed Awakenings, which was nominated for Best Picture and Actor and Screenplay. Also, she doesn't get nominated for Best Director. Um, and then, let's see, so then it's Sofia Coppola, um, a couple years later is the next the next woman nominated for a director. Um, so that's in the 2000s. We had, we have an interesting case of the matrix in 1999, which was nominated for four Oscars. Probably wouldn't have been nominated. Well, in an expanded year, I think the matrix would be nominated for best picture too, mm. but it's, it's a, that one I put an asterisk next to that because of the fact that yes the Wachowskis were women we didn't know that mm -hmm. and they weren't out exactly and so this is the only this is the only case where a movie directed by women or a woman was won um Oscar for visual effects I think was even nominated and um and it's interesting because it's like what would have happened if the world knew, if they were out and the world knew, would that movie have been received the way that it was? Who knows? 
Probably not, but I also think that it's a great joke on all of the like reactionary misogynistic <laughs> bags that are suddenly like, oh, by the way, that film that like you take some of your imagery from and that you worship <laughs> and all that was directed by two trans women, and mm-hmm. it's about the trans experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. <laughs> so it's like it's you know what? It's just like props to them, long con, really well done. <laughs> In your face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so let's see. Okay. So, oh yeah, yeah. 2002, Frida, not, uh, directed by Julie Taymor, gets nominated for lead actress, art direction, costume design, makeup, original score, and original song. Yeah, no I director. Just no I just want to add something here because there's something that I've been noticing as we've gone through some of these films. There are a lot of films that are directed by women that get nominated for actress, nom- and but also nominated for costume design, makeup, uh Mm -hmm. sometimes screenplay etc again we're talking about categories that it has been for a long time very accepted that women excel in those categories yep right makeup costume design making pretty things right and again not saying that not denigrating those those wins not denigrating those nominations in any way these are really important parts of cinema but it's interesting that again these places where women are that are associated with femininity are the places that female directed films get nominated, not with the places that are more associated with masculinity, which is directing, actor, um, sometimes writing, cinematography, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So then we come to, in 2006, you had um, Little Miss Sunshine, which was co-directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris, who... Um, are great and i love them and that was nominated for picture supporting actor supporting actors and original screenplay did not get a director nom and some people think that oh well that's because it was co-director situation blah 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 well it's like okay what about the cohen's you know like we've had co-directors nominated so um so yeah that's a frustrating dumb uh excuse uh 2009 is when we finally 2009 (laughs) this is only what 11 12 years ago so the 81st oscars catherine bigelow best picture best director gets nominated for lead actor in cinematography and original score also wins editing sound editing sound mixing and original screenplay (laughs) finally but of course it's a war movie about dudes Mm. now like we talked about recently i think that the fact that it has a woman directing it gives it a much different um perspective and it gives it a different kind of emotional weight not that men don't make emotional movies because they definitely do but it just it's it's like yeah sure it is a, a war movie about men but it's also got a different kind of approach to it so um so it's interesting but also it cannot be ignored and it cannot be said enough that the only woman who's ever nom- who's ever won best director made a movie about men yep that's why <sighs> nomadland chloe's out winning for nomadland even if it doesn't win best picture but just her winning would mean so much mm-hmm um, because it isn't just, you know, it isn't just a female director, but this is a woman of color. This is an Asian woman of color. Um, and it is a film about a woman. Yeah. 
and that entire process yeah like i mean i even said in my review way back when when it was at the new york film festival i i was like you know if this was directed by men we would immediately say this was oscar worthy um and i'm really glad to see that it is that it is being treated as oscar worthy Mm -hmm. but um it would mean so much for her to win that directing oscar because it would essentially say not just that the film itself is great, but that these kinds of films made by women, directed by women, featuring women really are worthy uh, yeah. to stand alongside the, the male centric movies. And mm-hmm. that, that would be really important. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that same year in 2009, we had two best pictures that were both directed by women. We had the Hurt Locker, which won. We also had an education by Lone Scherfig, which was nominated and also got a nomination for Carrie Mulligan and for Adapted Screenplay. But Lone Scherfig wasn't nominated. Um, and it would have been interesting, I think, if she had been. It, it would have been a tighter race between The Hurt Locker and Avatar, actually. I think James Cameron might have been able to pull that off. Um <laughs> Because I think Catherine Bigelow and Lone Scherfig would have pulled direct, pulled votes from each other. Which is so frustrating. <laughs> but anyway, so then in 2000, so the next year, we also had two films nom- directed by women that were nominated for four Oscars each. Basically the same Oscars. <laughs> um, the, so we had The Kids Are All Right by Lisa Cholodenko and we had Winter's Bone by Deborah Granick. Both nominated for picture, both nominated for lead actress, one supporting actress, the other supporting actor, and then they were both nominated for screenplay. Um, neither of them won anything, but it's like, okay, we're starting to get there. Now, you have to also keep in mind that this is when we're in an expanded lineup. So for two years, they had a straight 10 not, uh, Best Picture nominees, and then it was in, I think, 2012 that they went to this... Um, it was either 11 or 12, that they went to this sliding scale where you could have as few as five or as many as 10 nominated, depending on how many votes they got. Because they were like, well, we don't want something to get nominated for Best Picture that had like 40 votes total. Because um, of percentages, that's how it could work out. But it's like, well, but why? It's not going to win then. You know, whatever. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so, so then... Um, you know, we have we have movies getting nominated for like you had talked about with the crafts and stuff. We have um, The Tempest, another Julie Taymor movie getting nominated for costume design. We have Country Strong getting nominated for an original song. We have In a Better World getting nominated for foreign language film. Um, Phyllida Lloyd's The Iron Lady gets nominated for a couple of Oscars. Really makes people mad when Meryl Streep wins. <laughs> um and then the next film that gets multiple, like, significant Oscars, next Best Picture uh, nominee is Zero Dark Thirty, also from Catherine Bigelow. Picture, actress, editing, sound editing, and original screenplay. This time, Bigelow is not nominated for director in a film that is better than the one that she won for. And, hmm, interesting. It's about a woman, not about a man. Just saying. <laughs> you know <laughs> uh the rage again the rage <laughs> yeah 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 so then the next time another woman is direct is nominated for best director is in 2017 greta gerwig ladybird which we've already talked about um 
And that year, Mudbound was nominated for four Oscars as well. Supporting actress, cinematography, original score, no, sorry, original song and adapted screenplay. And uh, that was the first time a woman was nominated for cinematography. And she's still the only woman that's ever been nominated for cinematography in 93 years. Rachel Morrison, the only woman that's ever been nominated for best cinematography. That makes me angry too. <sighs> anyway. Um, so that's a sort of a brief history. Oh yeah. And then last year we had little women also by Greta Gerwig um, nominated for picture actress Supporting actress, adapted screenplay, costume, and original score. No best director. Now, I have brought this up a couple of times, and I really, really believe it. And whenever I say this to certain people, they get mad at me. But (laughs) I think it's time to expand the director lineup. That's, That's an interesting, that's an interesting idea, definitely. Here's why. Uh... We have, so now starting next year, they're going to go back to the straight 10 for best picture. So you have 10 films nominated for best picture. You have 10 lead acting performances, five men, five women. You have 10 supporting acting performances. You have 10 screenplays because you've got five adapted and five original. So you've, you're getting 10 films potentially in all these categories. Expand the director lineup to 10. And when that happens, you would just by nature, and I don't want them to do like best male directors and best female directors. I do not want to go down that line because directing is not a gendered job. Um, And I don't want to, and to give the, the impression that like, oh, well, women can only compete if, you know, they're only competing against each other because that's not the case. But I think that, I think that it's, what we're doing is we funnel down the five, the 10 best pictures down to five. And it's it just, it's, it's frustrating to me because then you see, like, I am very much of the belief that just because something doesn't get into a lineup of five people doesn't mean that the Academy didn't like it. Um, that's, that's a very, you had 366 movies come out that were eligible for best picture in this, this Oscar year. And only five of those could get their directors nominated. So it's like, I mean, there's a lot of support for a lot of things that didn't end up getting in. There's a lot of support for Regina King. And yet it wasn't enough to overcome, you know, David Fincher and Thomas Vintenberg. And, and so it's like, okay, that's, that's fine. But if, if you expand the lineup, then you'll have something that looks a little bit more uh, representative of the film year. They, I, I like that idea a lot. I mean, I, I think that, yeah, you're probably right that there are a lot of directors that drop out the bottom. So get a, get not quite enough votes to get into the the five category, but actually get a lot more. And so, and you know what? Ultimately, at the at the end of the day, even if you lose an Oscar race, you're still giving more coverage and more kind of opportunity. You're still saying this is an Oscar nominated film. This is an Oscar nominated director, mm-hmm. which means almost as much as the winning of the Oscar itself, because it does drive this forward. And it would say that female directors um, and any, honestly, anybody who's not 
straight, white, and male uh, deserve the same kind of veneration and value that uh, that their straight, white, male counterparts get. Yeah, exactly. So that is how I think that we should fix the Oscars. <laughs> Great, done. We have fixed the Oscars. <laughs> it's funny because whenever I bring that up, um, usually to men, they're just like, ah, oh, no, that's just too much. That's not, that shouldn't, that would just make things just more chaotic and complicated. I'm like, you know what? I like it when the Oscars are chaotic and complicated. I mean, I'm happy this year that it really does feel like people have settled into like Chloe Zhao's going to win. But up until that moment, it's still going to be like, but is she? I don't know. You know, but but it's it's more fun when the race is unpredictable. It's more fun when you get down to the last category of the night, you're about to hear best picture and you really you're like I think it's probably this, but I don't know. And yeah. it's it's it just makes it that much more fun. It Except does. for when Green Book wins, but whatever. It does. I mean, this, this some of this really is about entertainment, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what the reason why they televise the Oscars is not because the majority of America or the world cares about cinematic art. Uh, it's it's because it's entertaining. Yes, yes, exactly. And you're waiting for those moments. You're waiting for for Parasite to win. You're waiting for the the fuck up with Moonlight and La La Land. You're waiting for you're waiting for something to kind of upend things. Ugh, I still need Barry Jenkins to get his due and get his time in the yeah. spotlight to celebrate winning on a global stage. Yeah, there's so much that was taken away from from Moonlight as a result of that of that mm-hmm. mix-up but it, it still remains a very memorable moment oh yeah. Um, oh yeah i don't know frankly i'm looking forward to my annual uh tradition with the oscars which is get up to get a drink every time the commercials come on <laughs> so which means that i am well and truly drunk by nine o'clock it's awesome <laughs> like it's just like i don't even care who is parasite one what's parasite <laughs> <laughs> You mean like those little those little maggots? Like those kinds? <laughs> You're oh, like, well, they... if they would drink like I did, they wouldn't have to worry about <laughs> parasites. It's great. It's my favorite part of the Oscars. <laughs> anyway. Well, um, yeah. So was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? I think that that's this? it. I mean, we've covered an awful lot of different stuff. So, we really um... have. We really have, and it's been fun. And this is the thing: is like I love the Oscars. I'm very passionate about it, and it's something that I've been into since I was very young. But it is very frustrating, also, to look at a list like this. And I mean, there have been over four thousand films uh, that have been nominated for Academy Awards over the years, and um, I don't have the I haven't updated my list to include this year's nominees. But as of last year, we had 313 films that were directed or co-directed by women that had ever been nominated for anything. And most of those were short films. Mm-hmm. So I did find it fun because, um, you know, Taika Waititi, his first Oscar nomination was for a short film in, I want to say it was like 2005, 2006. And it was called Two Cars, One Night, which is available on YouTube. But anyway, he did not win. And I was like, who did he lose that to? I wonder if it's anybody I've heard of. And I looked it up. <laughs> Any guesses? No, I don't know this one. Andrea Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> and I was Your like, yeah, face, right. Taika. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I liked that. I thought that was pretty cool. Like, if he's got to lose, that's a good one to lose, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, so, yeah, the Oscars need to do better. I just told them how to fix it, and it would be a lot better if they did. And they also need to retroactively give Oscars to Penny Marshall and um, Barbara Streisand. And, yeah. Sounds good. All right. Fixed. Done. <laughs> cool. Good. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. This has been uh, fun and infuriating. But, um, yeah, we're we're in April. This is the month of the Oscars. They are on the 25th. So my life is going to be crazy. But I'm getting back into a good routine. I've mostly moved into my new place. Um, we're both COVID-free and vaccinated. So we're going to get back on track this month with, um, with guest... Uh, not guest. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, bonus. We're gonna have a bonus this month <laughs> of something. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just mixed up the words guest and bonus. <laughs> I did. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm very tired. Just want, just want to point that out, Karen. <laughs> yes. Um. So bonus. We're gonna do a bonus this month. So we'll have the poll out for that. Um. Coming very very soon. And um, we are planning on, I know we keep talking about this. We're bad about talking about stuff, but anyway, we're going to have a, uh, some kind of a interactive live event for patrons very soon. So we're going to uh, get that scheduled and let you know what, what and when that will be. And um, yeah, so we would like to thank our patrons that help us keep things going uh so special thanks to adriana ollie heather james kathleen cariata mason matt matthew michelle monty nanina nicole robert robert steve sharon tau and will so thank you guys so much if you would like to become a patron yourself you can go to patreon.com slash citizen dame uh, we do also have our Ko-Fi, which is ko-fi.com slash citizen dame. No commitments there. You, if you're welcome to just send a couple dollars our way here or there, if you would like to help us out, keep our hosting and all that stuff paid. Uh, we don't, we also have our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizen dame pod. Get a mask. Even if you're vaccinated, like we are, wear your mask. Um, yeah. We are available all kinds of places too, just for fun and and for your reading pleasure uh we have our website citizendamepod.com missed the five this week because i was moving sorry about that but we're getting back on track with that again this month so we've got a fun category coming um for that we've got a couple of other things there i am working on my long promised essay on promising young woman uh lauren's working on a couple of things so we've got some good content coming your way there uh we also have our email if you want to just send us an email um and tell us how much you love us and how great we are that is citizen dame pod at gmail.com and we're also on twitter and instagram at citizen dame pod we can be reached individually too if you would like to do that learn where are you at i'm on twitter and instagram at lh business and i am on twitter and instagram at karen m peterson so that's going to close things out for this week thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time bye that's creepy. <laughs> we can leave. We can leave right now. 
I can make money, I'll sell stories, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll cook, I'll clean, I'll work in a factory. I can make a life for us. Joe. And you, you should be an actress and you should have a life on the stage. Let's just run away together. I want to get married. Oh, why? Because I love him. You will be bored of him in two years and we will be interesting forever. Just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean they're unimportant. I want a home and a family, and I'm willing to work and struggle, but I want to do it with John. I just hate that you're leaving me. Don't leave. <laughs> I'm not leaving you. And besides, one day it will be your turn. I'd rather be a free spinster and paddle my own canoe.